Jar the Boss Man Show, joined by a friend of the show, Coach Casey Alexander of the Lipscomb Bison up there in Nashville. Coach, uh, how's it, how do you feel up there at Lipscomb, man, getting ready to go to New York up there, man, and play those Wichita State Shockers, man? It's been good. Uh, guys are having fun, excited about the trip ahead, opportunity that's in front of us. Nice to be playing this time of year. You got there right, Coach, and I know how much you love this team that you have, man, getting coach these, coach these guys still into late March and into April now. So how did you keep your team focused, Coach, after not getting to this tournament, losing that tournament game at home there, keeping your guys focused on the task at hand yeah. in the NIT? Well, I, uh, I'd be lying if I said it was easy. Uh, we, we took a few days to lick our wounds, and, um, you know, we had about a week before we even knew where we were playing, when we were playing, who we were playing, anything else. And so we, we actually needed that time. But, uh, you know, once we once we figured that out, and then especially once we got that first win over at Davidson, a really good team and a tough place to play, um, you know, all the juices were flowing again and kind of bit back to business as usual now. Speaking, speaking of that game, Casey, I mean, you were down the majority of that game, man. You was down, the crowd's going crazy, but then your guys in the second half, about five minutes to go, turn it all around. And you and you held those, and those guys shot well, fifty one percent. They made eleven threes, and you guys still got the job done at their place. Yeah, it said a lot about our team. I thought just them, them, you know, hanging in there and staying with it, and and playing from behind really the whole game. Uh, but you know, making some tough plays and finally giving ourselves a lead. And once we took the lead, we kept it, and you know, guys made big plays down the stretch, and so. You know, at that time, we thought, man, that's a heck of a win. You know, it's going to be hard to be better than that. But I think we've won up to the time or two since then. You got there right, Coach. And I feel like in that Davidson game, you got you playing nine guys tough, and they only playing six men. I feel like the war of attrition, they ran out of gas and helped, helped you all as well. So they were still shooting well, playing well, but you all yeah. got the job done because you had more men to throw at them. No, I agree with that completely. Uh, we, we like to play a defense. Um just you know, we, you know, we we're a real high tempo team, uh, and so we know we're going to have a lot of possessions in the game. And I just don't like having guys out there playing tired, and you know, for them to play as hard as we play on both ends of the floor. I mean, a lot of times everybody plays hard defensively, but we play pretty hard offensively with pace. And so I like to keep guys fresh and, and give other guys opportunities. And I do think that was the difference in that game. Now look at the Greensboro game. I feel like that game was a big game for you guys because they were supposed it was the first team out for the, for the committee. And we, I feel like y'all should have got in. My, my personal opinion, y'all should have got in the tournament, my personal opinion. But I don't, <laughs> probably probably the guys felt the same way too. Like, hey, we should have been in there. They should, you know, I know we didn't get in, but we can show these show these people. We're, we're listening. We're, we have a lot going for ourselves here. And you went there at the Greenbrook Coliseum, played really well, excellent ball movement, held them guys on, on the 40% shooting, and it's kind of – it was close for a while, and he blew it blew open there, kind of close to that victory as well. Yeah, it was a different kind of game. Uh, you know, we, we traded baskets for the first six or eight minutes and then took the lead. I think we were up eight or nine at halftime. And then, you know, then I looked up with eight or nine minutes to go and we went up 27. And, um, you know, so that was just kind of a really good last 30 minutes. Guys played really hard, played really well on both ends of the floor. And we didn't do anything spectacular, but it was just incrementally, you know, Extending the lead, extending the lead, extending the lead, and then you know, then it was over. So it was nice. I mean, that team is really good. As you mentioned, they were they were the first team out of the brackets. They were the number one overall seed in NIT, and so and that crowd was good too. Uh, so it was nice to go in there and get that one as well. I know they have a player of the year in SoCon as well. Westmore does a great job. And when I saw I saw the score, I was like, wow, because I know Greensboro is very good. Their problem comes with Wofford, and you guys were putting a whooping on them. I'm like, man, yeah. <laughs> Casey's team was, was playing uh, well. Yeah, we did. You know, we, we scored four points. Uh, we only scored four points in the last eight minutes of the game and uh, and still won by 18. So it was, uh, it was a good day. Yes, indeed. And then you go back to Carolina again, Toronto's Coliseum on NC State's campus, a very historic place to play ball at. How, first of all, how was that environment in Reynolds, first of all? I know it's been around for many years. Yeah. And, that, and that place has so many great games. How was it playing that place against that team? Literally could not have been any better environment. Um, you know, I, we, I played, was coaching a team that played at Kansas, uh, and that was pretty special, uh, and obviously more people, but um the crowd that we had at NC State, I mean, from from the national anthem until the final buzzer, they were very loud. It was completely full. Students were great. You could you could sense their great tradition, and 
you know what basketball means to that you know to that fan base and so it was it was a true road game um which is kind of my favorite part of being able to win the game and then obviously the stakes were high and we're playing for a chance to go to new york city and madison square garden but you know to go on the road in the acc in a really tough environment and go toe to toe and win the game says a lot about our team i think now casey on the play with kenny did you just want to call a timeout on that player you was gonna let him go no matter what and let him make it no. make, 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 make a play there no we weren't gonna call a timeout at all we had just had a timeout when we took the lead um and so in that timeout we talked about every scenario obviously if we held them then you know then they would have to foul us so that part was easy but you know, and then what we choose to do just depends on if if they score. You know, what we do depends on how much time is left on the clock. If there's 3.0 or more, we're going to do this. If there's 2.9 or less, we're going to do this. And you know, so we just want to get the ball in and race down the floor. And, you know, try to have as as quick of a transition as we can. And we weren't able to do that necessarily, but you know, I think there's more. I think it's better for the offense. You know, when you make the defense you know, get back in transition and play on their heels and they don't have time to communicate and you think you've got a better chance to score, you know. Conventional wisdom says, hey, call timeout, make sure your guys know what they're doing, but our guys knew what we were doing. We just had timeout. And so I don't want the defense to have the chance to set up and talk about it and how they're going to defend and who's going to guard who and everything else. So that's what we choose to do. Now, Casey, on that play, as you watch, you can see they they were confused a little bit whether to come to him or not or stay with the shooter. So are you your theory works out because you see it right there as you, as you watch that there on watch the replay. They were confused a little bit there. Yeah, well, it's natural. It's real natural for everybody in that moment to celebrate for a, a second or two. You know, I mean, even even if the guys are locked in, it's, it's still going to take them a chance, a second, to find their man and realize, oh my gosh, you know, they're playing. They didn't call timeout. We got to get back, and so. You know, I don't. I'm not going to pretend we got a great shot, but you know, was in that circumstance, we got a pretty good shot. Hey, as long as the goals is a great shot, <laughs> no doubt. No, the result was the result. The result was great. Yes, indeed. Now, Garrison also he set a record for you guys at Lipscomb scoring 44 points since you've been D1. He hitting right. going that hostile environment, giving you all those points, man. You had to love seeing that from your leader, Garrison. There, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty impressive. You know, a guy that's literally playing to save you know to keep his career going and um in in that kind of moment to you know go in there and he set a record there too that's the most points by an opponent in reynolds coliseum and so there's been a lot of good players come through there and uh kind of a magical night for him uh you know but nothing nothing too out of the ordinary you know i mean he he, a lot of points but he just did it the way he does it and and he did it from start to finish and you know i kind of rack him up i guess now, Coach, I'm pretty sure you've racked up so many bus miles going I-40 East North Carolina. You're glad to put a plane to go to New York now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? NCAA's been good to us, though. We've flown everywhere. So, uh, oh, okay. Thank, good deal. You know, good deal. Yeah, we've, they've been all flights, and we've had two or three charter flights. and uh, So it, it, they made it nice for us, but we're excited about where we're headed. Now, Coach, this is, I know you have this stat. You have your 14 now true road wins, the most in the nation now. Yeah, that's um, it's pretty crazy, uh, you know. And then you, and you think about we played all of our tournament games at home. We didn't play any road games in the tournament. So uh, to be sitting here right now and, and to be able to say that, is, um, I think that's a good that it's a good sign of kind of what ta- what kind of team we have. You know, a lot of a lot of veterans, a lot of guys that have played in a lot of games that aren't going to get too worked up, you know, um, considering whether home or road or whatever. But you know, the the irony for me. Um, and this week is this game on Tuesday in New York will be our first neutral site game of the season. So we haven't had a neutral site game yet. Wow, that this, that's every very interesting fun fact there. That yeah. at game at game thirty five or six for you, yeah, yeah first, right. first neutral yeah. game of the year. Wow, the most of your teams yeah. play in one of those holiday tournaments that are exempt or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, or wow, conference that's... tournament, postseason conference tournaments are usually neutral sites. So yeah, it'll be uh, unusual. Now, speaking of that matchup with Wichita State, you know, Coach Greg Marshall does a great job against team prepared. They always play hard. So, what do you see for them guys on the film and how you guys can cause trouble with your ball movement and your energy? You is ex- doing both ends on the floor there, defensive and offensively there. Yeah, the styles will be different. Uh, we, we, we are very, you know, well aware of, you know, kind of what makes them tick and uh, got great respect for how they play, their toughness, their physicalness, um, good defensively. And so, It'll take a it'll take a real you know locked in focused effort you know to have a chance to win the game. But 
you know, but we like our team as well. We think that, you know, if we go in there with the right kind of mentality and, and, and play to win from start to finish, then, you know, then we'll be in position to do so. Now, Coach, the NIT has experimental rules right now that they're, that they're working with. I want to ask you, do you think these rules will stick uh, after they review the review how it went this NIT season? And do you, do you like them yourself? Do you want any of them to stick, actually? Uh, I don't mind any of them. Uh, the thing that would worry me the most, we're so post-oriented, you know, even though Garrison's our leading scorer, we, we play through the post more than most teams do. And so I don't like the wide lane. You know, the wide lane is there to you know, create spacing and you know, open up the paint and make it, you know, a little more free-flowing. But I like to see the post. And so I don't particularly like that one, but that's just because of our style. Um, but, you know, it hadn't, I honestly haven't really noticed much difference. I mean, we, I think in the three games combined, I think we're 50% or better from three-point line, maybe. Uh, so then moving the three-point line back, I haven't bothered you. And, uh, and Rob Marbury's had good moments, and so that hadn't, the wide lane hasn't bothered him. And, uh, you know, the foul thing I like, that's probably the one I like the most and would like to see teams the most is, is resetting the fouls. Uh, I'd like they're doing, they reset them at the 10-minute at the mark. So I'd like to see some version of that, whether it's going to what the women do uh, where you play quarters or whatever, I, I, I like that change. I love quarters. I feel like the quarters would be great for you guys. Kind of the NBA rule with the five, five, ten, five team fouls. You know, the yeah. bonus, the one and one to me kind of is passe. We need, we need to sync it up at all levels. Even high school, to me, high school needs a shot clock to me, coach, if you ask me. No so every, every level, we need a shot clock and quarters and a tw- Third, third, thirty second clock or twenty four. However, you decide to do it, but it, we have it synced up from youth on up to the pros and the into FIBA. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think that would be you know, just having a universal game. Uh, you know, it's the way it, it's the way they play it everywhere else. Uh, college basketball is the only one that doesn't have the quarter system. Um, you know, and so I, I think that would be a good change. And I do think it'll happen at some point in time. I, I'm not even sure if this is a year for rules changes or if that's next year, but um, I think it'll. I think it'll happen at some point in time. That's one for I go for you, Coach. Last night at the Hawks game, Coach, I was rocking my Lipscomb Bison hat and my T-shirt, and they, they gave me heck for it. I said, look, my mom with the Lipscomb. Y'all, y'all got to be quiet here. They're, they're going for <laughs> I'm cheering for Lipscomb. I'm a Lipscomb Bison today. <laughs> so I was last night at the Hawks game. I had on my Lipscomb hat, my Lipscomb shirt, show, showing my purple and gold Appreciate pride for that. you guys, man. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah, we've got plenty of room for anybody else who wants to come along. We'll take them. Yes, indeed. Well, Coach, best luck to you on Tuesday night up there against Wichita State. Hope to talk to you after you guys win that title, man. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. My heart skips keeping the beach and not close enough so that space between you and me. Let's lose it. The way you're dancing, swaying to the music, girl, that body and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, back here on Gerard the Boss Man Show. We're here joined by the new coach of Appalachian State Mountaineers, Coach Dustin Kearns, who previously was at Presbyterian. He's moved on to the Sun Belt Conference now, and Coach Kearns is online with us right now. Coach Kearns, how are things over there in Boone, man? JR, they're awesome. It's sunny outside. Uh, there's a little, little breeze going, but uh, some warm weather. Great day to be in Boone. Yes, indeed, Coach, and uh, I know this job is, is going to be a good job for you because I saw what you did at Presbyterian uh, in year two there. You got those guys going real good in that big south race there. So uh, how you, how do you feel now being in Boone, leading the Appalachian State Mountaineers back to prominence in the Sun Belt Conference? Well, that's certainly, uh, you know, our, our, our destination, okay, and I think that we'll be very process-oriented. I'm not going to. Uh, you know, we're, we don't, we're not going to be set out in goals. We're going to, we're going to focus on how to get better today and then we'll worry about tomorrow. Um, but it's exciting here and I think that, um, there's something special about Appalachia State and, and, and the people. And I certainly think this place has got just, uh, you know, with our facilities and campus, uh, the leadership team here, uh, the, the, the time is now at App State. And uh, it's a lot of exciting things going on. 
Yes, D, I also talked to you about the you know, great, great facilities, great support for the administration and the fans uh, and, and alumni giving money to the school. And so I feel like you have the support you need to have a to build a program the right way. And I saw how you built the program at Presbyterian when you was there. So I know coming to App State, you'll be able to build more, build the Sun Belt Conference with, with the great support you have from all around you. Sure, and I've been fortunate to be around a lot of you know great people and coaches, and and, and been able to flip uh, three programs. As an assistant at Wofford, we were able to turn that program around um, and make it into a you know really a mid-major power. I went out west for six years at Santa Clara, who the program had, had uh, five out of six losing seasons. We were able to you know turn that program around, and then uh, I got the head coaching job at Presbyterian. We turned it around very quick, um, and, and so now that's the. The, the expectation here, and, and certainly ourselves, will have the biggest expectations, and that's the standard that uh, that we want to set for ourselves. And Coach Kearns, how do you go about building a program? I know you've been in multiple places where you built it from when, when it was down, you brought it back up. So, what is the process? And if you, if you can share, like, what what's the process you and your staff go through to, to build these programs up from when they've been down for years? And and what what, what and how do you set that standard from day one when you walk walk in the door with the guys, get them buy into what you're selling? Sure, Jr. I think that one, um, you, you you just be yourself, and you and you do what you believe in. I think you set you set a standard and, a, and, and an expectation of how our culture is going to be. And I think that uh, you, you got to get your culture right first. And, and what I mean by that is the standards of really how you're going to be about what you're going to uh, what you're going to work like, how we're going to act, uh, and how we're going to you know go about our business. I think the second thing is recruiting. I think, uh, you know, certainly uh, we have a lot to sell here at App State uh, with the Sunbelt Conference, with the facilities, with our great football program and other, you know, other sports doing well, great academics. This is a, you know, 20,000, you know, student body, um, college town. There's a lot of things to sell. So I think that uh, once you get your culture right and you take care of the people in the organization, uh, those people then help you recruit more people in the organization and, 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 and obviously increase the talent and go on. But uh, we've got some great pieces to work with uh, here, some great returners, and certainly a lot of guys we're excited about. And yeah, coach. I know when you get when you get a new job, you have to kind of recruit, recruit the guys already on the roster and kind of build that bond with them from day one, get that trust with them. So I know you're working real hard trying to keep guys from transferring out of the program, staying with you, buying into your program and your structure. So how's that been going so far for you as you've been there for a few days there? Well, good. You know, so far so good, and I think that. Uh, you know our meetings with our players and, and the team here currently, and, and those are these are our most important groups, the guys that are here that have chose App State. And so uh, you're right, this is the guys that we're, you know, I'm spending time with and, and the signees and, and, and talking to them, and, um, and, and certainly getting ready to begin workouts and things like that. So uh, that uh, you know was very important. But you know, I think we you know we've been able to have some very good healthy discussions and. and, and conversations and i think that uh as we get to know each other better you know certainly so far so good we're all you know certainly off to a good start and i know i know good thing about getting the job so early is you can actually get on the court with the guys some with the four hours you have before the semester ends so i know that you're happy about that as well oh absolutely absolutely and and so you know i think that'll help once we get on the court and start doing some things i think that'll even help anymore and um you know certainly uh, they're good kids, and they're very good kids. We have some very good players, and so you know we're all excited to really get going. Now, coach, in the Sun Belt Conference, you know it's a it's a conference with a lot of great program traditions. You know, you got Texas State out there, Arlington. You know, you got Louisiana, Arkansas, of course, Coastal Carolina. You got a lot of different schools in this conference, Georgia Southern as well. So, how you feel about coming to Sun Belt Conference? So, a lot of great programs with great traditions there, and now you're trying to build one in App State now. Well, I think the Sun Belt is, is really full of really quality coaches and programs and players. And it really is spread out, you know, all the way to Texas. But I think what you makes us unique is we're the only school in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, certainly we have a different regional area of recruiting. But this is a very good league. And uh, I think it's a league that's only getting better. And, um, and certainly we, we, we will accept the challenge to, uh, you know, make App State a winner in the Sun Belt. 
And coach, I know the travel gonna be probably be a nightmare <laughs> to go from Texas from North Carolina this season. I know I know from covering the league, man, that travel can be hard on coaches, different players. Tell me off the record about the travel. I know there's some you're excited to get into, but I can only imagine having to make those trips out to Texas, you know, and back and forth there, how the league is spread out. Yeah, that'll be something for me to get used to. That's something I'm not used to, but certainly I'm excited about it. You know, and I think that uh you know, we got a chance to, to we travel those places to, to, to recruit those places. And so, um, you know, that, that kind of gets us into new areas of recruiting and that's exciting. Um, but certainly that will be something that will be different for me, uh, in the, in the, in travel, but yeah, I was certainly excited about it as well. And one thing I like about the Sunbelt Conference is it's a, it's a conference to where guys can get a second opportunity. Like, they get a lot of transfer guys who went to high majors, transfer down to the Sunbelt Conference to play and become world beaters, playing at these different schools in the league, and you get good JUCO guys. And you also, you can develop high school seniors into great players in their third and fourth year in your program, depending on if they're rich or not. So I'm excited about the opportunities. You can go either, any, any way you want to go to build your program out and keep it stable for you for years to come. Sure, and you know, we'll we'll build our roster and we'll uh, we'll attack that. But certainly, that's our goal is to build a program, not a team, and build guys that are you know here and you know in the program. And but, but we'll sprinkle, a, you know, we're we're open to building you know the roster different ways, and we're gonna we'll turn over every rock, and um, and we'll, and we've got to get some kids that come here and, and say wow, like I did, and because this is a big time place. And I think you make big time is where you are, and uh, but um, we will, uh, you know, certainly explore all options with building our rosters. But you know, you know, certainly want to do it with four-year guys to build that program. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So let me ask you, Coach. Uh, non-conference scheduling wise, now I know if Presbyterian, you know, you probably had to do a lot of games where you where you where you were being bought to raise money for for, for, for for your program. Now at App State, is that something still still be an option with with choice you guys have? Can you or can you go out and schedule aggressively as you want to without having to worry about being bought to, uh, to raise money for for, 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 for for your guys' budget there? Well, I think that uh, you know certainly it's a different deal scheduling wise. You know, I think that we've got to, you know, um, we want to play great people. And I think that, you know, in the recruiting world, you know, basketball players want to go play basketball schools. And I think that, you know, for, for our fan base and alumni and, 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 and students, we want to bring some, you know, quality opponents to the home center here. Uh, but we also want to go out, you know, regionally and play some great programs and, and get on national television. And so certainly um, – the, the scheduling will be different from from what I'm used to, but in the same sense, uh, we want to go out and uh, you know play the best and, uh, and 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 put ourselves on on on, on great stages. Yes, indeed. And, and uh, coach, uh, I don't know how much close watch the NIT, but the rules they've been experimenting with the expand three 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 point line, expanding the lanes, uh, the five fouls resetting after ten minutes uh, in the second half. So, are those some rules that you would like them to implement in, in D one all all the way through? Are you, are you liking what you're seeing so far from there, or is something that you haven't really put too much thought to as, as of yet? I haven't put too much thought into it. You know, I, I, one thing that I do like, you know, Jr. Is I, I think that. College basketball is different, and I think it's, uh, you know, everybody says, hey, let's go to quarters or let's do this to make it the same. Well, I think that's what's cool about college is we're different. We play, we're the only, you know, basketball game that plays two halves. Uh, and so I like the uniqueness of what we do. And so I, I, I kind of am hopeful we can stay unique. Um, and, and I understand the argument of let's, let's kind of be uniformed as a game and, and, and really play the way. FIBA and NBA and everybody plays, but it hasn't been that way. And so I think that's something that makes us our game unique. And, and, uh, and I think there's something cool about that. I, I totally agree with that coach as well. The uniqueness of college basketball is one of a kind to have system, how, how you the one and one. So I think it, it has its own sort of plot in the basketball land there, and it, it shouldn't be messed with. I know guys want to make tweaks and changes, get closer to the NBA or FIBA, but I'm kind of with you there. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a old school like that. I like it the way it is already. So I just want to ask you why I had some line about that because I've been hearing a lot of stuff about it, different coaches off the air about it. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I like it the way it is. Sure, sure. That's why I, yeah, I, mean, I think the, the, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I mean, got the, certainly there's some, some some tweaks and things we can do, but 
I, I like the uniqueness of it. You got there right, Coach. And so last one I got for you is this, Coach. I know you know you've been at App State trying to get this program going, get to staff hired, but talk to us. Like, What have your days been like since you've been there, meeting with different people around the university, people in town trying to get settled? How's that been? It has been awesome. I, uh, you know, Saturday was one of the best days I think our family's ever had. Uh, we went to the football scrimmage, met a ton of people, went over to the softball game, went to the baseball game, went to the women's basketball game as they played the semifinals of the FBI one. So uh, we've got a, a championship game here on Wednesday night and just met so many wonderful people and, uh, you know, certainly have hit the ground uh, running recruiting wise, talking to our players, uh, meeting a lot of people and trying to just, you know, get things going. But also, I want to enjoy it, too. You know, I think that um, there is a, a lot of things to do on the to-do list. But we'll get to it. And I think that we kind of got to prioritize it and, and what's important now. And uh, and so that's one thing that I try to kind of worry about, what's important now. And what's important right now is meeting a lot of people, talking to a lot of people like yourself, and, 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 and promoting the App State brand. And, um, you know, and having and enjoying doing it. You know, I think that you know life's too short. We got to enjoy what we're doing, and you know, certainly it's been fun so far. Yes, dear coach. I definitely looking for you. Hope the schedule makes us put you in Atlanta this year. I know the schedule could be something kind of a little bit different. Hopefully, see you when you come to Atlanta to play Georgia State here. And I uh, hope you guys have a great transition. Looking forward to talking to you down the road, coach, and seeing how things going with you guys and Boone up there at App State, man. Sounds great. Thanks so much. No problem, Coach. It's Dustin Kearns here on the Boss Man Show. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me? Somebody to love. Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, back here on the Boss Man Show. We got one of the new coaches hires here. He's he didn't get to go very far. He moved up moved up a scene in, in the world. San Francisco Don's new head coach Todd Golden. Coach Golden, how are things out there in the Golden State of California, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's going great, man. It's going great. It's been a you know a crazy couple of days, but my goodness. Uh, I'm blessed, and I'm just really excited about this opportunity. Yes, indeed. And I said, what did it mean to you uh, when the university and the professional actually come to you say, hey, Coach Gold, we want you to take over Coach Smith, who set a great standard in San Francisco for the job at Washington State. They want you to lead the program going forward. So knowing that they wanted you, you was the guy they honed in on, how does that make you feel? Honestly, it's. Uh, I think it's more of a just a – uh, response to the players from the standpoint that they wanted, you know, this program is incredibly healthy. Coach Kyle did a great job uh, building this thing up, and we want to just keep it going. We, continuity was key. We have 10 returning scholarship players with this group. All 10 are coming back, which is incredibly exciting, and uh, we have a really good thing going, and I appreciate the administration and uh, everybody on campus you know, believing in me to continue on with this charge. Yes, indeed. And so, now for you, you move up one seat there. You make all the choices. Yep. It's all on you now. So how <laughs> in this on me. how in this first few days and weeks has been since you gave they gave you given the job here? How's it been knowing that hey, every decision's on me now. I don't make suggestions anymore. I make decisions now. So how's that been adjusted from giving suggestions to being the man making decisions now, saying this is how it's going to be? You know, that's a great question. It's pretty funny because, you know, as as assistant, as an associate head coach, you know, there's plenty of times where, you know, you have a strong opinion about something and, you know, you're just sitting over there and, and wondering, you know, if it would work or not. Well, well, now you can you can have all those strong opinions, but the bottom line is you're going to be responsible for them. And uh, it's a it's a great it's a great challenge. And, uh, you know, obviously there's added pressure and, and everything along those lines. But Hey, this is this is why we do it. This is why we enter the profession, and uh, I just feel great that I've been able to retain a lot of my staff. And uh, like I said, we have great kids in our program who are high achievers, both on and off the court. And they're they're going to make my life a lot easier in this transition. 
Exactly. That's very key uh, for you. I, I saw somebody when they promoted you. I'm like, well, they'll still be okay because he's already been there. He can retain some, yep. some of the staff if Coach Cal don't raid the staff. Which is, <laughs> which you keep right, on, right, right, right. You can keep most of your staff and keep the players there. They won't feel like, I don't know who's coming in here, who, who from wherever coming in here. And also, right. you can keep the guys who are recruiting already kind of in contact with, yep. say, hey, we're still here. It's just one guy's gone. Don't, don't stop the show here. That's right. No, that's right. And like my, my, my main focus uh, when I was promoted was really to just to focus on our current guys. You know, a lot of times when, uh, when a new coach gets a, a new job, you know, the, the program might not be in good shape and they might have to go out and recruit new student athletes to, to fill spots and, and rebuild the program. I'm fortunate that that's not the case here. Like I said, Coach Kyle did an amazing job building the foundation. And uh, to your point, all 10 guys coming back, the two scholarship players we have coming in um, are committed to, to still be a part of this program moving forward. And uh, and it's a very healthy environment and uh, one that I'm just, just blessed to, to take over. Exactly. And also, when you get the job here early, you can run the workouts and implement your system, your style, your plan, your world tweaks you're going to go with since Coach Cal's moved on. Right. Yep, and, and the good thing for our guys is that not a lot in that regard is going to change. You know, I think uh, we had a, a very successful blueprint, successful plan. Um, you know, we're going to coach Kevin Hovde, who I promoted to my associate head coach, who stayed on with us, who I'm very happy about. You know, we're going to try to put our fingerprints on this program a little bit and try to find little incremental ways that we can make improvements. But the bottom line is this program was headed in the right direction, and it's really it's our job to continue steering it that way. And I know at the middle major level – Player development is very, very key. So as you yep. move into here to April, May, June, and on beyond towards the fall when the season starts again, what is the plan to play development plan to get these guys better? All your returning guys, get them into their games mentally, physically, and emotionally there. Yeah, well, you know what? We're going to use the spring as a time to really work on our individual offensive game. Uh, you know, spring's a time, uh, to your point, to really work on individual skills, whether it be dribbling, whether it be shooting, scoring, driving. Uh, and we're going to put these guys through a couple workouts every week where we're focusing on that. And at the same time, we're going to start playing some one-on-one, some two-on-two, even some three-on-three, so we can really continue to work on playing together. You know, using those skills that we're working on in those individual workouts, well, we've got to try to implement those in game situations. So we're going to put two-on-two out there, just continue to find ways to play together, kind of learn the intricacies of two-on-two, three-on-three basketball, because those situations show up quite a bit in five-on-five. You got there right. Like, just like UCF could have won the game against Duke, but they messed up a fast break. You know what I'm saying? So, like you said, <laughs> like yep. you said, said Coach, those incremental moments when you're doing one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, it shows itself up on, on a fast break. It's like a second secondary break as well, primary break. You might see that. So, it's good at those drills now. And you got to be happy you have four hours. Now, I know you, I mean, you guys only had two hours. You still only have two. They you have four. Right. So, you can really get a lot more done with four than two. <laughs> you know, man. There, there's no question about it. Not, honestly, that was a, a change that the NCAA made that was, was really a smart change, right? Because the old rule used to be eight hours a week, two hours on the floor, six hours in the weight room. Now they've kind of evened it out, four hours on the floor, four hours in the weight room. And, uh, you know, it's just better for the players because the bottom line is, you know, these guys are 18 to 22 years old. You know, they're young adults, but they need coaching. They need more coaching. They need more individual attention on the floor. And I think as you see, um, you know, the years go by, you're going to see more and more skilled players because it's just going to be a result of the coaches being able to mold them better, spend more time with them, and really guide them that way. Exactly, and again, like you said, helping develop these guys as men as well. And for us, the classroom now, Coach, uh, what are your philosophy on the classroom getting these guys to also be be student athletes? I know they're athletes, but also become students and get, leave with their, their degrees as well. No, it's it's the most important thing in our program. And to be honest, we're, uh, we're very transparent about it on the front end. Uh, we want guys with great attitudes, great work ethics, and guys that really want to be at San Francisco. And the bottom line is, if you're not taking care of your academic business, then you're not going to play in our program. Uh, you know, we've uh, we've really done a great job achieving in the classroom over the last couple of years. I think over the last two years, we have a grade point average somewhere between 3.3 and 3.4. Uh, it's remarkable. It's one of the best in the country. We had four members of our team on the all-West Coast Conference academic team this past year, and I think we have eight or nine guys out of our 13 scholarship players last year that made over a 3.2. So, 
um, you know, we, we believe smart wins. We believe responsible wins. And, uh, you know, if you're not able to handle your business that way, you're, you're probably not going to be able to cut it to be a dawn. You got there right, Coach. And I can say I know that's – I know out in California, a lot of schools have high academic standards. You have to perform sure. in the classroom and on the court to play out there because I know a lot of schools out there are very big on academics, especially the UC program and the non-UC program as well, very academically oriented. No question. No question. And USF is, is a very good school, private school. Um, you know, with great curriculum, both on the math side and the, and the reading side. And, uh, you know, it just provides our guys with an opportunity to, to take advantage of the scholarship, right? I mean, these guys are coming in, they're playing basketball. That's, that's really a lot of their primary focus. But at the same time, you know, we expect them to have a similar level of responsibility in the classroom because at the end of the day, that paper is going to take them a lot further than the basketball will for most of these kids. And I want to talk about non-conference scheduling, Coach. I- What's well, a big thing that came up with the net rankings this year? You know, it's the way tournament where you're going to see Greensboro and Liscombe get in the, in the tournament. Also, Belmont got in, but they beat Liscombe twice to get it, help them with that net, net ranking. So, for you, the yeah. conference schedule in the WCC, which is one of the better mid-major conferences, you have Gonzaga and St. Mary's who are always to begin the tournament. So, how do you go about scheduling these games? I know you got a lot of schools in California that you can play, so you really don't have to be bought per se. You can kind of do it all in that area out there, all the you can play. So, how you see us going about scheduling and you guys tough and getting guys to come to you and play in San Francisco as well and kind of playing up and down the coast with the schools up in Washington and Oregon all the way through California? That's a, they're a good program as well. Yeah, no question. You know, we, we really, um, especially last year going into this year, our goal was to kind of raise the bar in terms of our, our non conference opponents um, in our non conference strength of schedule. Now, the funny thing is, you know, you can you can do your best to uh, create a difficult non-conference schedule, but it still is relying upon the teams that you're competing against to do their part. <laughs> and last year was interesting because we thought going into the year that we were going to have a very difficult non-conference. We played Stanford. We played Cal. We had Arizona State on the schedule. We played Buffalo over in Belfast. We played Harvard at home. Uh, Cal State, Fullerton, who had made the NCAA tournament the year before, uh, Stephen F. Austin, who was a tournament team the year before. But some of those teams did not you know, achieve as well, whether it was because of injuries or bad luck, to the same level that, that we expected it to. So our, our strength of schedule was not great. So all you can do, especially in a mid-major league, is do your best to play difficult opponents, to, to schedule teams that you think are going to be good, and then let the chips fall where they may. And we kind of talked about it internally um, you know, teams in, in at large situations, and I, I don't have the answer necessarily on how to do this, but they should really, in terms of their non-conference strength of schedule, should be judged by what they were doing prior to the year beginning, what, what those opponents were supposed to finish, because you can't control how they play throughout the year. Teams that, you know, are projected to finish first in their league, well, if they finish sixth, you know, you were trying – to play a difficult schedule and it just didn't work out that way so we haven't found the answer to that we're still working through it but uh we're, we're trying to raise the bar in terms of who we play in the non-conference yes indeed and uh, coach i want to ask you this uh coach golden uh who are some guys in your career whether it be professionally or personally who's really impacted you uh, your life very greatly to get you to the point where they to be the head coach of usf don i know you're a wcc alum as well so what's some guys yeah. who really helped you get you to the point you are today man that's, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I've been blessed, to be honest. I, I've played for and worked with amazing, amazing coaches. Uh, you know, started back in high school with Dan Mannix. He's a Brooklyn native out in Phoenix, Arizona, where I grew up. Uh, you know, he coached our high school team. We had some great success, won a state championship. And, uh, you know, he's now retired in the Arizona State Hall of Fame with over 500 career wins. Uh, when I moved to college, uh, obviously I played for the great Randy Bennett uh, over at St. Mary's, who's still coaching today. I was on a couple of his first teams. Uh, the first two teams that made the NCAA tournament for him. And uh, my goodness, for him to be able to do what he has done over the last 20 years is flat-out remarkable. Uh, He's over 400 wins, you know, beat Gonzaga, who's the number one team in the country in the conference tournament this year to make the NCAA. And uh, he's just a guy that I really feel like, you know, would be a great person to emulate in terms of how to run the program and coach your team. And I'll, I'll say this, this is a great stat, and I love bragging about this. My junior year at St. Mary's, we had six staff members on the team, on the staff. Five of those men, five of those men went on to be Division One head coaches. 
uh, and the last guy ended up being a 40 under 40 sports business daily journal guy. So I was surrounded by incredibly talented people, great coaches, great men, and uh, they kind of molded me into the man I am today. And the last one, you know, and some people don't know this, but five years ago in years one and two, I worked with Bruce Pearl and his staff at Auburn trying to help build the foundation uh, before I got back out here to San Francisco. And he was another guy completely different from uh, from Coach Smith and Coach Bennett, but another, you know, just another great coach and a guy who really, you know, gets the most out of his players. Yes, indeed. I want to ask you about the NIT rule changes that I'm seeing so far uh, for in the, the post out the lane out there, the three-point line, the resetting of, of the fouls there uh, at the 10-minute mark of the half there. So looking at the NIT rules and the experiment they're doing, how are your thoughts on them? Do you feel like these rules will end up in the, in the full DD1 games in a, in a year or two maybe? You know what? It's a great question, and I think they're the college game – the NBA game and the international game, uh, you know, at some point they got to get together and, and try to find a way to make it, everything a little, a little more similar. You know, when you go from FIBA, which is the Federation of International Basketball, and then play college, you know, it's two completely different games. It really is. You know, from uh, the three-point line to the key to the shot clock, fouls, quarters to halves, everything like that. And I think that the experience, um, experiential rules and the NIT and they do it sometimes in the preseason as well. They, they are some very similar to, to FIBA-type rules in some certain ways. So I, I'm for it. I think it's a great time to experience it, uh, to give it a shot, and see if uh, you know we can kind of blend these games a little more to make them more similar. As being an NBA guy, I love to see them advance the ball and last them into the half because I feel like that gives a team who's down a better chance to win than running up the court. Now, sometimes it works out, but a lot of times it yep. don't. So I'd rather be in the, no, up in the front sure. court to draw up a play, have a legitimate chance to win the game, not just throwing up a heave, three-quarter court heave, and hoping to go in. No, that would be a great rule change. And, and similar to what you were you know, just speaking about before, I, I'd be totally for – uh, you know, changing the game to four 10-minute quarters where it's five fouls per quarter. And, uh, you know, you'll have a little more scoring. You'll get a little more bonus. But it, it's uh, just a little more NBA-like. It's a little more professional-like. And uh, I, I think it's always a good thing if you're able to, in terms of the rules, um, make the game more like a professional game. And going to my background in psychology, four quarters will help a guy feel like they can come back rather than two halves. You're down big at halftime. Right. You got a half. Oh, God, we can't come back. If you got four right. quarters, you're down at big at halftime. Let's get third quarter. Knock, knock, knock it out here. We can chip away. They feel like they have more of a chance than they would if it was right. just two halves, per se. You know what? I, I never thought about it like that, but that's a great point. Uh, it really is. I think, you know, you go into halftime down 15, you know, your goal might be at the end of the third quarter to cut that thing to single digits. Whereas, you know, you go into halftime down 15, you know, what, what do you say to your team at halftime? Uh, let's, uh, let's make sure we get single digits at some point under the 10 minutes. You know, I don't know if it'd be difficult, but. Yeah, it's a hard sale there. <laughs> it's a very valid point. Very hard sale. Now, last one I got for you, Coach, is I know you told me off there, it's been kind of crazy for you these last few, few days as you've been hired as coach. So talk to us. What has your day, day been like? What time you get into the office? Who's called coming by to see you, man? How's it been? You know, been a new, you know, the new coach on, on the big guy on campus now. <laughs> you know what? I, I was nervous that I was going to have to change my phone number for a little bit because I'll tell you, there were some people coming out of the woodwork that I hadn't heard from for years. But, uh, and my wife, you know, she was getting mad at me telling me to put my phone on silent when we were trying to go to bed because that thing kept buzzing and vibrating. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's great. And, uh, it's, it's a one, you know, it's your first job is obviously a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just extremely excited and, and happy to hear from all these people. And, uh, obviously not sleeping a whole lot, but just really excited. Um, uh, you know, cause like I said, I, I walked into a pretty unique situation. This isn't like most times where you get your first job. This is a program that's already been built up and, and I've just been tasked with continuing that trend. And, uh, like I said earlier, I'm glad I was able to retain quite a bit of our, our staff and, uh, guys that share that same vision and, and we're going to give it the best we got hopefully that phone will die down for you real soon man <laughs> so your wife will be that's married right. at you <laughs> that's right that's right i gotta i gotta put that thing on silent i'll be just fine all right folks back in the boss man show holla at my man in memphis jc smith what's good bro boss man it's been a long time coming man. what's going on man no much man joining this march madness man it's all going crazy, man. Just 
you know, uh, it's one is it ain't it's going crazy. It's April now. The playoffs right around the corner. Looking forward to it, bro. No doubt. I mean, it's been a great little sports uh sports run these last couple of weeks, man. You better believe that. And uh, this is coming across the wire here that Russell Wilson uh, the won't see us give him a new deal. Now, Russell Wilson really hold out and play the game, or he eventually fold in your mind. I, it's hard to see Russell Wilson holding out, um, but I mean, and, but he's deserving of a new deal. You know what I'm saying? So, um, more power to him. You know, I think they'll, they'll get something worked out though before before the season starts. No doubt. And what just happened uh, this week was the AAF suspended operations. Uh, the AAF seems, I mean, like. Birmingham's going to be popping in Birmingham to a degree. Uh, San Antonio like the AAF. Uh, San Diego came out for it, but the other markets really didn't hit in other markets, man. So I know you had an AAF team, AAF team in Memphis and Johnny Football came for a couple of weeks. Uh, now it's all gone. So I think it was a, a good concept going, and now they're shutting down all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, it's the craziest thing, man. Um you know, grand opening, grand closing, you know, uh, apparently with the AAF. And, you know, you talked about the team here in Memphis. Hey, they, they, there's a little, little buzz. I mean, uh, people people really don't care about spring football. But, however, if you win to start the season out, then, you know, you'll get a little interest. But, of course, the Memphis team here started like 0-3. So, you know, the interest quickly, did, you know, die down. Then you get giant football and, Got got folks a little bit hype about it, but I mean, it just seemed like it was bad management, you know, uh, from the start with um, you know the AAF as a whole. There, you know, um, you know, it has to be very embarrassing, man. And, and then the guy that came in and tried to save save the league that was pretty much a waste of money, you know. The Carolina, the Hurricanes owner, the NHL team, the Carolina that owner tried to you know. Influence the league with some with some cash there, man. Put like sixty seventy million in there, so he just pretty much threw uh, threw his money down the toilet. It seemed like, yeah, and it seemed like you know the guys are developing. Well, hopefully, some guys will get a shot this year for well, NFL roster. But the XFL is going to be coming back in twenty twenty. So if yeah, this, this league yeah. didn't work, how do you think Vince Man throw his money down the drain too? Because what I'm reading here, two hundred seventy two million dollars of his own money he's putting to put up to fund the XFL. Yes, but I'm hearing with the XFL, like, they already have all their ducks in a row as far as insurance and things of that nature to cover the players. Like, the XFL is, like, light years ahead, uh, light years ahead of where the AAF was. For example, boss, I don't know if you're familiar, like, like players in, uh, uh, in Florida or the Orlando team, uh, the AAF team, um, like, when they practice, were you aware that they had to go over to Georgia to practice because of workers' comp? I, I was. Like, to, to, yeah, yeah, to, Florida. To, to Kingsland, to Kingsland, Georgia. Yep. They stayed in Jacksonville yeah, yeah. hotel. Yeah, man. So, yeah, Florida didn't have workers' comp laws, you know, so players got hurt or anything in practice. At least they would be covered, you know, in the state of Georgia. That's crazy. Like, and that pretty much describes the, the league in, in a nutshell right there. Like, from the get-go, they just never had their ducks in a row. Didn't have the right insurance. Didn't really have things together the way you – anytime you're launching a new league, you're rolling out with something new, man. You want to make sure you have all those things in place. And, you know, for them, for them to be like the NFL, you know, uh, it's to blame for this for not, you know, allowing players to, you know, uh, to play in the AAF as like a farm-type system. Nah, you can't blame the NFL, man. For that. Y'all have already had that worked out with the NFL before this thing even started. Let me tell you another, another AF bad tale. Uh, most teams don't have a PR contact. So, yeah, say if yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to go and cover a Memphis Express game or a Birmingham Iron game or Atlanta Legends game, I know who to contact. Exactly. I, I, from the website, I see salespeople. I see right. how they buy yeah. tickets, but not yeah. a media contact, a PR person. Mm-hmm. You send an email exactly. to them, you get no response. Yeah, yeah. And then I heard the media members that were there for, like, the cover, uh, you know, the, the press conferences or uh, on-field access or whatever, 
like they could only do it for like a certain period of time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think they had limits on on what they could film, what they couldn't film. Like, if you the you the AF, you need all the coverage you can get. How you gonna limit the media on what they can film, what they can film during your practices? That, that made no sense. Yeah, because I want to have on Steve Spurrier. I want to have on Mike Singletary. Who would I reach out to to get them on the show? Yeah, 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 man. Yeah. Like just poorly poorly put together by people who knew better. You talk about Bill Polians, man. Guys that you know are, are football lifers, man. You know guys that are respected. Uh, my guy Eversol. Um, you know guys that have have been in this business for years, as far as you know. Uh, television and marketing and things of that nature, man. And it seems like you think of all that experience, like somebody would have made sure all their ducks were in a row before rolling out, man, with a, uh, a poor uh, product as far as off the field, the way they, they put things together there. Now, this is my other thing about the, uh, the XFL coming to JC is this. The calendar. You know, the first part of February, yeah, you good. But once you get into March, man, with the tournaments and Final 40, roll into the NBA playoffs, where's your spot on the calendar to actually be watchable, you know? Right. Unless you, I mean, yeah. you can't do it during the middle of the guys going to be in the NFL, so you can't really do it in, like, you can't do it in June, in July and August, because that's training camp time. So it's like, for a second league, there's no sweet spot, really. No doubt. Exactly, man. You know, it was going to be a tough hill to climb anyway. But, you know, if you don't have, you know, things like your marketing, promotions, and all that in order, man, you know, before it even starts, man, you pretty much doomed. You, you pretty much doomed yourself to begin with. I think Vincent Man wishes his money again. That's what I think. I don't see. You think so? I don't see. I just feel like the, if you start right to Super Bowl, start, Super Bowl ends. I mean, you got February, but we get into March Madness, tough. You lose interest in it. You, you watch college basketball for, for three whole weeks, four whole weeks there. Then you go to the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Then you then you get to go to the NBA finals. I like I just don't see where you fit, where you will be relevant to the sports eye or the sports news, right. you know? Right, right. So you always be flying underneath the surface no matter what you do. Right. Now I watch it like football. Yeah. I watch, but I'm not gonna just right. be trying to let me look at the XFL tonight. I'm gonna go. Now if I got say if I see he hate me out there, I may watch that because I like he hate me. Right, right. <laughs> that was my thing. He yeah. hate me. But beyond that, I might. I, I just don't see where as an appetite forward beyond like the first week in March. Yeah, you right. You know, you know. But I think they always banking on that America. Americans just love football, like. No matter if it's the NFL or or any type of league, people are going to watch football. And I mean, to a certain degree, yeah. But you got to give them something to watch, man. You, gotta, you know what I'm saying? I think a lot of these leagues just come off as novelty acts, and you know, it would have been nice if the AAF would have been able to partner a team with the NFL. You know, but they they didn't make that happen. So, you know, it is what it is at this point. Maybe it gives them an NFL idea for the start of development league, like like they should have with mm-hmm. the World League, NFL Europe League. Right. But it'll give them right. a reason to bring that back. Exactly. I can see that happening eventually. Now, bro, uh, Julio Jones said he didn't want to be the highest-paid receiver in the NFL. I think he's lying. Uh, I think he wants to be the highest-paid receiver in the NFL. And I think for Julio Jones, Matt Ryan – 30 million a year starting next year. I think a five-year, $100 million deal, 60 million guaranteed to be good for Cleo Jones. Sets at the receiver market at that number right there. Antonio Brown, he, got, he didn't get all he could from, from, the, from the Raiders. He was kind of in a bind. He's 16.7 million. One for Cleo Jones, probably 20 million. So what are your thoughts on Cleo Jones' contract uh, dispute with the Falcons? He's not going to be at OTAs or any of the workouts. Uh, how you see us shaking out with Julio Jones? I mean, you can make an argument year in, year out that Julio, you know, if he's not the best receiver in the league, he's definitely top three, you know, always top five, uh, you know, in the NFL year in, year out, pretty much every year since he's been there. And, 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 you know, for the most part, the guy, he keeps his nose clean, man, you know, never causes a problem off the field, always produces on the field, man. He's going down the Hall of Fame, you know, when it's all said and done. 
And I mean, you know, if 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 I'm I, if I'm if I'm Arthur Blank, man, and, and like I said, you you can attest to this more because you're right there, uh, boss covering the team. But you know, what I'm saying as far as what Julio Jones, his value on the field, his value off of the field, the type of guy that he is. You know, and you want you want to reward guys like that. And I know Arthur Blank loves his players, man. You know, he loves his guys. And a guy like that that produces, a quiet guy, never has to call too many ripples, never calls too many. He's not a CO. You know, he's not a team, uh, you know, a obliterator as Phil called a CO. But, you know, if, if he's not – if you don't give him Odell money, I think you have to, you know, get somewhere in that ballpark. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I can see a, I can see a $20 million, Twenty million a, a year for, for Julio, guarantee. You know what I'm saying, or whatever the guarantee value would be over the course of the contract. But as far as per year, I, w- I would definitely pay uh, Julio twenty million a year. I wouldn't pay Greg Jerry fifteen to point nine million on the franchise tag, but Greg Jerry wants Aaron Donald money. You're not Aaron Donald, bro. Exactly. You're not no, Aaron no. Donald, bro. Yeah. Like no, no, you level. No, you worth. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. He think he's he think he's a uh, Aaron Donald player. You're not, bro. We're coming up on it, man. Uh, Mike Conley got about two games left for the Memphis Grizzlies at home, man. Uh, how serious feel feeling about Mike Conley? Because they know he last time you may see him is April 10th against the Warriors out there, man. Yeah, it could be. It, it could be the end, man. The way it's uh, trending right now, you know, I do believe that we have seen the last uh, Mike Conley here in Memphis, man. And it, I think it's, it's going to be a, a mutual parting. You know, Mike, Mike, you know, he deserves a chance to um, go somewhere else and win, and you know, have a chance to be an All Star somewhere. You know, preferably in the Eastern Conference. Um, and the Grizz, you know, if you do, it's not it's not a terrible thing if you do hold on to Mike for next year. But, you know, it's time, man. You know, if you're going to go ahead and rebuild, let's go ahead and, and you know, just tear it down, start from scratch. And, and you definitely want to give Conley the opportunity to go somewhere where he could be successful as well. And, bro, the Grizz are winning too much. They're in danger of losing that, that, that pick. They got to stay eighth or below. <laughs> it's like they're, they're, they're scrapping to some wins. It's hurting the keeping that pick, man. I know you don't give that pick to Boston this year. You know, the game plan, you know, early on in the season, you know, the group's practice, 12-5 run, most here got all giddy thinking that, you know, this thing can make a playoff run, then the bottom fell out, and uh, all the losing occurred. Mike Marcus all is traded. Um, you know, so the consensus now was, okay, let's try to convey the pick. But, I mean, you have to give the Grizz credit because they are putting a, you know, quality product out there. Those guys, those guys are playing hard. They're not the most talented team in the world, but they 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 didn't they never they never laid down this season. They had stretches where, you know, uh lack of focus and some bad luck here and there caused them to lose a string of games. But for the most part, man, especially after Marcus All left, you see, like, hey, some of these guys can really play. You know what I'm saying? Like Valentunas, we we knew what he was in Toronto, but I mean, this guy's putting up almost like twenty and ten, you know, since he's been here. Um, you know, um, Deleon Wright, you know, he's he's looked good in stretches, man. Like they, they got some pieces to work, you know, work towards for the future, man. And and once you bring Jared Jackson back next year, like I mean the Grizz could be a young young exciting team, not a playoff team, you know, no time soon. But I mean it's at least for this season, man. Those guys play hard, man. I think if you're a Grizz fan, you got to be able to appreciate, you know, that that hard work and effort, man, from the team overall. And um tonight clicks, bro, it's gonna be a final four watch party after party right tonight clicks uh what's gonna be popping off tonight after the games go off there that's right man you know after all the games go off the air man you know it's going down each and every saturday night like Bob said the final four edition of clicks karaoke saturday night live three kings all that good stuff come on out the loudest party in the city man you know how we get down man the best drinks best food it's the best overall party it goes down every Saturday. I'll let you man. No doubt, folks. Check my man out. His group on Facebook, Three Kings. Know about everything karaoke in the city of Memphis, Three Kings, and Memphis got talent. Bruh, good to get, good to get you back on the line, man. Got to keep, keep this train going, bro, for sure. <laughs> I'm back, man. Hey, 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 man. I'm going back to back. Make it happen again next week, man. I'm going back to back. <laughs> no doubt, folks. That's my okay. man, J.C. Smith of Memphis here on the Boss Man Show.